Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. but We all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the Burner Less Lethal Pistol Launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. This is the Sean Hannity Show podcast. Well, the media is up to their predictable, no good, about how they're going to run the campaign. And this time it's the New York Times. Now, it's almost funny because where do you hear the information I got on the New York Times? So New York Times, when you print it out, let me see how many pages it is. Is there a page number on this thing? It's about 20, 20 pages about how horrible Donald Trump, the headline is crossing the line, how Donald Trump behaved with women in private. Well, there's only one problem. Now the women that are being quoted in the article, many now are beginning to speak out and say that they were misled by the New York Times. They were taken out of context by the New York Times and that it is not true what they are claiming. And it's not even what they said. I was watching a former model who was uh, featured in this Rowan Brewer is her name. Well, I'm sorry, Rowan Brewer Lane is her name, and she was on Fox and Friends this morning. They spun it to where it appeared negative. I did not ever have a negative experience with Donald Trump. She said she was taken out of context, misquoted, and spun by the New York Times in order to portray the presidential candidate in a negative light. Now, we have a woman that's coming on this program today who's worked for many, many years with Donald Trump. And she happens to be a woman that grew up in uh, war-torn, where was she, Uh, in Bosnia. And she grew up, and now she's one of Donald Trump's, became one of his best real estate sellers of all time, knows him well. actually met her recently. And she started telling me all these things about how great Donald Trump had treated her, and she had no experience in how really turned her into a millionaire. I mean, she sold hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars now worth of real estate. Now, the amazing thing, now that these women are beginning to come out, 
I'm looking, and I haven't found it yet. I'm looking for the New York Times interview with Juanita Broderick. I'm looking for the New York Times interviews. I've got the Fox Brain Room working on all these things. We actually have a brain room when you need background information, things facts checked, etc. They do a good job. I'm looking for the interview with Willie. I'm looking for the interview with Paula Jones. I'm looking for the case study about crossing the line, how Bill Clinton behaved with women in private, how Hillary helped enable smear campaigns against any woman that dared to speak out against Bill. Now, if they want to go there, I actually think this helps Trump because the person and the people that we know that have been responsible for the abuse of women come from the Clintons. On top of what we reported last Friday, which was the Clinton Foundation pays women 38 percent less than what they pay men. Now, there's a funny little side note to all of this is that the New York Times, which is doing all this digging and is so outraged and they appropriated 20 pages, they have their own little problems when it comes to women, their own problems when it comes to race. Their own problems when it comes to issues involving the age of their employees, because, you know, if you interview the dozens of women who encountered Donald Trump and the unsettling conduct that they say took place, well, there's a great contradiction that has now emerged. Now, the New York Times accuses Trump of upending commentary of on the female form, a shrewd reliance on ambitious women, unsettling workplace conduct. You know, you know what it means in most cases now, unsettling workplace conduct? Oh, I like your haircut. Oh, you look really nice today. Oh, you're really, you know, that is really, you, you look so great. To, uh, that's a lawsuit today. So don't any of you in there ever tell me I look good. Not that you ever would. Yeah. You know, what about Jason and his mohawk? I talk about Jason's mohawk all the time when we do dollarshaveclub.com. I mean, he has a mohawk. It stands out. I like his mohawk. I think it looks really, really good, Jason, and I'm not hitting on you. You know, what? Well, I'm not going to sue you. I mean, geez, it's nice to be appreciated once in a while. Exactly. I mean, is it a bad thing if I say, oh, you look real? I love that new hairstyle. It looks really good. Wow, you look great. So proud of you. Can't say these things anymore. How did Howard Stern go all these years and him not get sued? That's a great question, right? You probably have to sign a... Non-disclosure as soon as you walk in that studio. Uh, anyway, so, but if you look at the New York Times, the paper record, well, they don't mention, mention a whole bunch of things. Now, it does not say that a mere 18 days earlier on April 28, 2016, not four decades ago, as they keep going back, the New York Times was accused in a federal lawsuit filed of not only sexism, but racism and ageism to boot. Well, I have the cases in front of me. I mean, should we put the New York Times on trial today? Because in April of this year, a 62-year-old Ernestine Grant, 61-year-old Marjorie Walker, who happened to be black, sued the New York Times alleging discrimination based on age, race, and gender. Now, they claim that the New York Times CEO has been letting a lot of older advertising directors, quote, of color go and replacing those employees with younger and white individuals. The two women also claim they were paid less and given less free time than the younger white employees. They also had another suit this year back in February 
about Arlie Davis, former NY uh, New York Times ad executive, claimed she was belittled and eventually let go after taking a four-month leave of absence. Oh, she had her baby. Linda, did we treat you well when you had your baby? Did you not have a you, an entire apartment filled with baby junk? I don't mean to call it junk, but to me it's junk. I got you everything but one thing on your list. You can put your mic on, right? Yeah. And what do. did I tell you when when you were ready to come back? What did I tell you? Take all the time you need. And what else did I say? Your family's the most important thing. And what else did I say? We'll survive without you. And I well, I'm meaning that you could take all the time you needed. And I don't even have a clue how much time you took. I said whatever. You I'm know. still not back. All right. And the other thing I said, I actually said to you, you're crazy if you come back that I give you permission to what? Work from home. Work from home any day you want. Right. I don't have to do that, do I? No. You know why? No. Because I know you'd get your job done wherever you are. But you just like to yell at people in person rather well, than. Especially you. Especially. Yeah. But honestly, this is the New York Times. That's how we treat our employees. We're a family here. But they don't do that. You know, when you were away, everybody stepped up. Everybody did their job. Everybody filled the gap, filled the void. You're irreplaceable, but you know what I mean when I say that. And But this is the New York Times, and it's case after case. Let's go. So those are two lawsuits just alone for 2016. Years only getting started. Then we can go back to 2015, and you've got Tracy, I don't know how to say the last name, claimed that she was fired by uh, this woman, Meredith Levian as part of a September 2013 downsizing and let go of predominantly older and minority employees at the New York Times. Also alleges that her problems started when they failed to take action regarding a junior level male staffer who refused to follow her instructions and would only respond to instructions from male superiors. Well, a lot of discrimination going on at the New York Times. Let's see. Also 2050, but they get sued a lot. In April, two lawsuits in April of 2015, uh, Casablanca, Joe Casablanca, filed a handwritten complaint against his employer, the New York Times, claiming disability discrimination. The case was dismissed, and Casablanca apparently later filed a similar claim in a state court, which was dismissed. But you know what? They've got, I got one, two, three, four, five pages of lawsuits, all alleging similar things about racism, sexism. Discrimination based on age, race, and gender. All happening at the New York Times. But they had, I didn't see that 20-page piece on their own conduct, on their own lawsuits, on their own company. Are they going to put a front-page retraction quoting this woman, uh, Rowan Brewer Lane, saying that they spun her comments, took them out of context, that she had never had a negative experience with Donald Trump? Are they going to put her comment? Are they going to interview the women that have had great experiences with Donald Trump? When where are the pieces on Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton? Where's the full front page feature on the women that were abused by Bill? And Hillary, was she an enabler? Where's that piece? Where's the Juanita interview? The Willie interview? The Paula Jones interview? I've interviewed all those women. Every one of them I believed. Every one of them was credible. And every one of them suffered consequences for daring to come forward. And everyone was smeared and everyone was intimidated and everyone was besmirched and everyone was slandered. And in the case of Paula Jones, she got eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars in a settlement. Oh, well, New York Times didn't report that. 
Anyway, so just be prepared. This is the beginning of the media doing what they always do. The same media that never asked Barack Obama. Hey, Barack, why did you start your political career in the home of an unrepentant terrorist? Why did you sit on boards with an unrepentant terrorist? Why did you give speeches with an unrepentant terrorist? Why did you lie and say he was just some guy in the neighborhood like you didn't even know the guy, Bill Ayers? Where was the New York Times expose on Bill Ayers, Bernadine Dorn, the Weather Underground, and their friendship with then-candidate Barack Hussein Obama? They didn't have it because the media, the New York Times, is full of crap and they're biased, and to get their story out, their narrative out, it's clear, based on these women that are now coming forward, that they had to lie to write their 20 pages. And they have no credibility based on the lawsuits against them. And the fact that there's a double standard. This is just par for the course with the media. And they want to create an impression, all right, Donald Trump has said some things about women that he shouldn't have said, so let's go out and make it bigger. 20 pages worth of bigger. Well, what about interviewing the other women that say he was nice to them and advanced their careers and that he was a tough boss but a fair boss? Where are those people? You're not going to hear that. It just is so predictable. Um, How Donald Trump behaved with women in private. How the New York Times treats women, people of color, and older people. I want to see that expose. I don't think that's coming out. Now, I will say another issue that has kicked in here, um, and that is you've got a band of Republicans, including Mitt Romney, Bill Kristol, and Ben Sass, that seem to be hell-bent. They've commissioned private polling. They're lining up fundraisers and fundraising sources. They're courting potential contenders. I know that John Kasich has been called. I know that Senator Sass has been encouraged to do it himself. Um, John Kasich has told me personally he will not even consider it. Reince Priebus has said that this idea to run third party is a suicide mission that would wreck the United States for generations. I would agree with that assessment. I just think it's a reality check for everybody here. Mitt Romney got our full support. I still to this day think he would have been a good president. Why is he doing this now? Because why? I just don't I don't understand. Is it Trump's position? Is it just his demeanor and his delivery? And what? Does Mitt Romney not agree with his economic package and pursuing a balanced budget? Does he not like health care savings accounts? Does he not like energy independence? Does he really think Hillary would do a good job of picking Supreme Court justices? You think the Democrats are going to fix the VA? Are the Democrats going to build up our Military, are the Democrats going to build a wall? Are the Democrats going to give education back to the states? Are the Democrats going to do energy independence? No. So why? You know, there's another story out today that never Trump Republicans approach Mark Cuban about a third party run. Now, in Nebraska, Ben Sass, we supported Ben Sass for his Senate run. And he acted like a jackass when he saw me at an event. I had no idea who the guy was come running up to me. You're lying about me. You're full of shh. And I said, well, who are you? What did I say? And he goes, I'm Ben Sass. I'm a senator from Nebraska. And I said, well, what did I say that has so angered you, senator? And I said, you said I'm voting for Hillary. I said, no. I said, 
you saying you're not voting for the nominee is a half a vote for Hillary. And I stand by that. Now he's thinking about running third party, which, what did I say the other day? Didn't I say the other day? I suspect he has political ambitions. Anyway, delegates to the state Republican convention in Nebraska had a near unanimous reprimand for Sass for his outspoken support of this Never Trump movement. And um, anyway, they passed a voice vote reprimand, which a reporter at the event said it was at least 400 to 8. It was so lopsided. So how's that working for you, Ben? Obviously, the people in Nebraska, you're out of touch with them. You know, this is the thing here. It's not that people are supporting Sean Hannity's choice. I didn't have a choice. I didn't even vote in the Republican nominating process. I didn't vote. All I did was give people access. The people made a decision. It's really contempt for people that these politicians are showing their contempt for. They're angry. You think things are bad in the Republican Party? Let's listen to Barbara Boxer and Nevada Democrats booing after she called for party unity. Listen to this. I bring a message from Bernie Sanders. And I bring a message from Hillary Clinton. We need civility in the Democratic Party. Civility. Because the whole future of the country is at stake. Now, when you boo me, you're booing Bernie Sanders. Go ahead. You're booing Bernie Sanders. Bernie is my friend. You want to boo Bernie? Boo me. Go on. Go on. Okay. You're booing boo. Bernie. You're booing Bernie. You're booing Bernie. <laughs> You're booing Bernie. Let's hear it for Hillary Clinton. Just, I could almost play that again. That was so delicious. That was so good. Those are Democrats. Those aren't even Republicans. Booing her off the stage. Now, Roberta Lang, the uh, chairwoman of the Nevada uh, State Democratic Party, called for a voice vote. Anyway, she called for the voice vote, and the crowd curses after she adjourned and left. Listen to this. Wow. 
That was great. I love that. Which party needs to unify now? <laughs> Forget Paul Ryan and the little sit down with Donald Trump. Who cares? That is unbelievable because they feel rightly so. If you're a Democrat and you like Bernie Sanders, the, the socialist angry curmudgeon, the old guy from Vermont. I was going to say old, you know what, but I didn't say that. I stopped myself. Anyway, if you like him, you're pissed because the whole system is rigged and corrupt. It just is. It's a fact. You know, I, I just put together a Hillary pack today. And, you know, one was a New York Post editorial about the Clinton sleaze never ends. And this is their for-profit company controlled by the candidate's longtime friends. This is this is the money going to the Energizer, the girlfriend that was, you know, literally money from the charity doled out millions to a for-profit company going into the hands of the Energizer, the friend, the company associated with Bill's girlfriend. Um you know, it's there's so much stuff out there. We haven't even talked about. Apparently, Bill Clinton took more trips than anyone knew on the Lolita Express. Jeffrey Epstein, the, the convicted pedophile guy from Florida. Well, apparently, Bill used to ditch the Secret Service to jump on the plane that had the young girls on it. Slick Willie. But I'm sure he was behaving based on his history. I'm sure he was well behaved. I'm sure that bed in the plane had nothing to do with him ever. Now, the State Department has redacted Hillary's Wienergate emails. Why would they do that? On the same day, Anthony Wiener's spokesman unwittingly lied to the media that the former New York congressman's social media accounts were hacked after he tweeted a lewd photo of himself. Hillary and uh and Wiener's wife, Uma, had a personal family email conversation, which was redacted. Well, I thought they turned over all the emails. They have no problem with us seeing all these things. You have violence erupting this weekend between Hillary and Bernie factions at this Nevada Democratic convention. I mean, it showed a fistfight breaking out between Hillary and Bernie backers. That's how bad it is. There's a story about this woman, this Julie Tauber McMahon, the friend of Bill's, co-owner of an energy firm that was pledged $2 million by his charity, and they also got money from the U.S. government for crying out loud. Oh, and at the convention this weekend in Nevada? Oh, yeah, delegates, they needed a medic because of the injuries. Um, I don't think Donald Trump is going to do a darn thing to hold back when it comes to Hillary. And all of you that supported other candidates that didn't like Donald Trump attacking your candidate, I think you'll probably like it when he goes after Hillary hard. There's another story out there about Sally Miller, Hillary and her coke habit. I have no idea if that's any truth to that. Dolly Kyle Browning, I interviewed her years ago. She talks about Bill being a sex addict that may have had as many as 2,000 women. Hillary Clinton is not only an enabler, she's a terrorist who terrorizes her husband's alleged lovers and women who accuse him of a sexual assault. And she said she had a long-running affair with Bill Clinton. I interviewed her years ago, too. I didn't forget about Dolly Kyle Browning. Now Hillary's trying to cash in on Bill's good name and say, well, he's going to run the he's going to run the economy. My husband, who. I'm going to put in charge of revitalizing the economy because, you know, he knows how to do it. And um, oh, it's like a especially in places like coal country and inner cities and Wait, other. Let's go to coal country. Didn't she tell the people in West Virginia that she's going to shut down coal mining companies? I'm the only candidate 
which has a policy about how to bring economic opportunity using clean renewable energy as the key into coal country. Because we're going to put a lot of coal miners and coal companies out of business. Oh, we're going to put coal miners and coal companies out of business. <laughs> and then she's got apparently hundred more than $100 million by these regimes like Qatar and Oman and Kuwait and the UAE and, of course, the Saudis. And she's been totally silent on the issue of how they mistreat women and other minorities. You know, you can't even build a church or a temple in Saudi Arabia. It's illegal. Hillary Clinton ever speak out? No, she took their money. That's what she ever talk about women's rights. No, she took their money. It's unbelievable. The Clinton Foundation. Well, they they greased the wheels in 2010 for a Canadian businesswoman to make two million dollars of financial commitment to this green energy company. Twenty nine percent owned by Bill Clinton's girlfriend in Chappaqua. Even Lincoln Chafee finally said it that Hillary's too corrupt to be president. Andy McCarthy had an interesting piece out as they fix in as it relates to the Clinton email scandal. Well, if you listen to Sidney Blumenthal, you would think it is. You know, she has all these weaknesses and everyone's worried about Republicans. Republicans need to unite behind a contract. This is the contract that I would have. Balance the budget. Stop stealing from our kids. Repeal Obamacare. Replace with health care savings accounts. Build up our nation's military so we have a military deterrent once again. Take care of America's veterans you know, who've been screwed over by this government. Make America energy independent. That means drilling, fracking, and coal and all of the above while you search for new sources of energy. Build the wall. Education. Get rid of Common Core and, and give it back to the states. Maybe they should include term limits in this whole thing. You know, maybe we can also, as part of the 10 items, make ISIS and radical Islam is America's enemies and nothing will be we will stop at nothing to defeat our enemy. Why don't we add that in the contract? And that something that every Republican should be able to run on. Not that hard. The New York Times bombshell again against Donald Trump this weekend and his mistreatment of women Uh Well, now all these women are beginning to speak out. We have one of them that's going to join us on this program and one that's going to be on Hannity tonight. I think that's pretty good. Obama, apparently, House Republican is accusing Obama of covering up. Remember our U.S. Navy sailors were taken by the Iranian Navy and they boarded their patrol boat and took them hostage? Well, the Washington Free Beacon pointed out today that classified details of Iran's treatment of several U.S. sailors who are captured during this tense standoff earlier this year, would shock the nation, according to one member of the House Armed Services Committee, who disclosed it to the Washington Free Beacon. Those details have been kept secret by the Obama administration. Congressman Randy Forbes told the Free Beacon in an interview that the Obama administration is keeping the details of this incident under wraps. It could be a year or longer before the American public gets a full accounting of the incident in which several U.S. sailors were abducted at gunpoint by the Iranian military. I guess these are our friends, Obama's friends, the mullahs in Iran, the number one state sponsors of terror. Unbelievable. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this over the weekend. Washington Post had a story, and it said Hillary Clinton's declining personal image 
ongoing battle to break free of the challenge from Bernie Sanders and her struggle to adapt to an anti-establishment mood among voters this year have become caution signs for her campaign and the focus of new efforts to fortify her position as she prepares for a bruising general election. And the story goes on and says more than a dozen Clinton allies identified weaknesses in her candidacy that may erode her prospects of defeating Donald Trump, including poor showings with young women, her untrustworthiness, her unlikability, her lackluster style on the stump. Well, I've been telling you this for over a year that she is at best, and this is me being charitable, a mediocre politician, but she's not even that. But I bring it down to one thing and one thing only, and that's likability, said Peter Hart, Democratic pollster, who conducted a series of focus groups for the Annenberg Public Policy Center at the University of Pennsylvania. And it comes down to likability, and Hillary Clinton just is not very likable, and that is the great millstone around her neck in this election. <clears throat> Hillary's husband, Bill, by the way, was likable. Not by everyone, for sure, not many conservatives, but the American people liked him or liked parts of him. They found him engaging, energetic, charming, and at times persuasive. Now, to be clear, I've had my problems with him, but I understand that not everyone sees things as I do. But Hillary is another matter entirely. She comes across as inauthentic, cold, distant, calculating, unprincipled, hectoring, and abrasive. Well, those are all things we pointed out. So nobody likes her. So she should be easily beaten. It's gotten so bad this weekend with the with everything that went on in Nevada that the Democrats are scared to death that that chaos could lead to riots in Philly. You guys excited to go to the conventions this year? Have you gotten your rooms yet? Who's going? Anybody? Any of you going? Nobody? I'm going alone? Sweet baby James is going. That's it? That's the only person from radio. Sweet baby. Unbelievable. All right. Uh, and that's it. You what guys. Are you worried about Mr. Ninja? You should be able to handle all those marauders. You know who I'm bringing with me, don't you? Do you have any idea? I'm no, br- no bring- please enlighten us. I'm bringing my sensei with me. I'm bringing my martial arts teacher with me. And we're going to be training every day and getting ready for. You know what it's going to be like when I go down? Remember, I've done this in past years. I've gone down to the convention floor with cameras. I've been spat at. I've been, you know, somebody, they, they, they do try things down there. But I'm usually surrounded by groups of people. They're called bodyguards that we bring down there. But I, I go down there. I talk to the people. I'll talk to any Democrat. I'll, t- I'll even give them the questions ahead of time. Name one thing that Hillary Clinton has done to make the lives of the American people better. Go. You know how funny that's going to be? And then what's going to happen is somebody's going to be watching and they're going to get angry. And they're going to want to lash out. Good thing I've been training. Good thing I'm now moving towards my black belt. What's the matter there, sunshine? You know that I told you I could take you out in 30 seconds or less. I could take you down in 10. Easy. Just take it easy. I could take you down in 10 seconds. Ten. You, you don't know what you're in for if you keep this up. You just what am I in know. for? What am I a Bond villain? I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do before I do it. Just do your read, man. You're getting on my nerves. Wow, Jason's getting hostile in his old age.
There's been a lot of speculation, don't give me that luck, about you running. I thought you were above this. No, I'm not above it. <laughs> this is what I do for a living. I, and I know you didn't think I was above it. There's a lot of speculation that he is going to ask you to be his running mate. Now, if he asks you, you're certainly going to say yes. Well, if he asks me, I'm certainly going to say I want to sit down and talk about it. I don't think it's an automatic yes. I think you have to think through what, what does he think the job involves. And if he indicates, as I'm if, sure he if, would, you're going to play a big if role. If he can convince Calista and me that it's doable and that it's serious and that we would, in fact, contribute, I think we'd be very hard-pressed not to say yes. Would you like to do it? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly a great challenge. But as you know, I have a pretty interesting, exciting life. We're, we're premiering a new movie on Washington and Mount Vernon Friday night. Uh, we have a new book coming out, Rediscovering God in America, this week. So we're pretty busy, but we could probably be, we could be lured into a new path. I was going to say, you could, you could fit the vice presidency in, and, and the house isn't bad either. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, always a pleasure Good to talk to you with you. All right, that was Fox News Sunday and former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Write down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Well, you showed up, number one, not only in the poll on Hannity.com, but you're most mentioned on social media for that position of anybody else. So it's not just uh, an old friend of yours that happens to be swaying his audience, as you suggested on TV the other night. Well, look, first of all, just to sort of set the record straight, Clist and I are very excited this week, both because... We have a new edition of our book, Rediscovering God in America, coming out that, uh, that walks you through the Washington monuments and shows you how they, each one relates to God. And second, because Friday night, with your help, we are at Mount Vernon uh, having a premiere of our film, The First American, about George Washington. And uh, he's really the first great revolutionary. So when people look at Trump or at Sanders, if they want to see the real deal, George Washington is the guy who spent eight years in the field making this country independent yeah. and then uh, chaired the Constitutional Convention and then became president for eight years. And it's a sign of what it takes to really change things. Well, I, I took your answer as being very serious. Um, I'm pretty convinced that Marco Rubio's Facebook page has has taken away any chance that he would be the nominee. I've spoken to John Kasich. I don't, he has no interest in the job whatsoever. He was actually being courted by Mitt Romney and Ben Sass and Bill Kristol over the issue of recruiting a Republican to run third party. Uh, what do you make of what Romney and Kristol and Sass are doing? Well, I mean, I, I don't want to speak about uh, Sass because I don't know what he's doing right, to, right now. I think um, in Romney's case, there's some kind of deep... Uh, bitterness that, that is, um, I've never seen anything quite like it. I mean, maybe if you go back to 1936 when, uh, the former Democratic nominee for President Al Smith, former governor of New York, um, came out against Roosevelt because he thought Roosevelt was too liberal. I mean, maybe you could use that analogy, but there's, there's an element of bitterness and almost hysteria in what uh, Romney's doing that I really don't understand. Um, and in Crystal's case, you know, I mean, he's, he's an intellectual. He's a guy who has ideas and lives on ideas, and uh, there's nothing practical about what he's doing. I mean, the most he would do is help elect Hillary, uh, and <clears throat> I am absolutely, totally opposed to anything which uh, puts Hillary and the uh, Clinton slush fund and Bill Clinton in positions of power. You know, let's go through the whole process, though, of selecting a vice president. I think the main criteria needs to be, is the person 
qualified to be president. God forbid if something should happen to the president. That's first and foremost. Then there are political considerations. We'd be lying if there aren't. You you might look at a swing state like Ohio or Florida and say, okay, well, maybe I need to look geographically to shore up the base and and maybe they can help win a state for a particular candidate. You know, others think about, well, maybe you got to look along gender or ethnic lines because that might help the ticket bring certain demographics into into the voting booth. To me, um, I think the criteria should be this. Who's gotten the job done in the past? And there really have been two conservative movements in, in the modern era. It was the eight years Reagan was president and the five years you were Speaker of the House. You brought Republicans to power for the first time in 40 years. You ran on a contract, a written promise, 10 items that you would fulfill in the first 100 days. You fulfilled that promise. 60 percent, 65 percent of Republicans in every exit poll now feel betrayed. You ended up with a balanced budget, welfare reform, and, you know, I'm sure you have other issues you'd like to highlight as your success. Nobody else has ever done that. So in terms of qualifications and, frankly, intelligence and a knowledge of history, I don't don't know anybody better qualified than you. Well, look, first of all, you're very flattering and you're a very good friend. Uh, You know, and I think think you sort of have the criteria down right. I, I guess I would add to that. Some kind of being simpatico with the candidate. I think, uh, you know, Cheney and Bush had a really good uh, bond. Uh, Gore and Clinton seemed to really get together well. Biden and uh, Obama seemed to get together well. So there's a certain virtue, I think, also in some kind of personal chemistry. Um, you know, I think that it depends on what Trump is. First of all, everybody needs to understand this isn't about what does Newt Gingrich want or what does Sean Hannity want, et cetera. In the end, one person and only one person will make this decision. That's Donald Trump. And he's got to reach inside himself and think about uh, this is the first really big decision he makes that defines his presidency uh, in a way that now that he's won the nomination. Uh, so it's a, it's a pretty big fundamental decision about what does he want to do. Um, he has some very competent people. I mean, one thing may be to offset this whole issue about women and Hillary Clinton and what have you might be to go for uh, Governor Brewer of Arizona or, or go for uh, the governor of, of Oklahoma. I mean, the number of smart people out there uh, who could certainly do the job, uh, a number of whom would, would, I think, be willing to serve as vice president. So, Well, Jan uh, Brewer might be one, but I know that Susana Martinez has been a critic. I know Nikki Haley has been a critic. I would say, and none of them... Uh, rise to your level level in terms of a track record of success or stature. I mean, he really is going to need somebody that can bridge the gap with with Washington Republicans, senators and and congressmen, right? Well, I think that it's that, that, and he himself has said, Trump has said that he wants an insider for that reason. He knows that his weakness is that he uh, doesn't have the ties in Washington that he needs in order to govern effectively. So. I think he would be sympathetic to that same argument, frankly. Um, the you know, and and again, I'm I'm going to do everything I can to help elect the team. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that Hillary Clinton does not get to pick a single Supreme Court judge. Uh, I think that Hillary getting elected would be a catastrophe for the country. She'd bring a level of corruption and a level of dishonesty into the White House, unlike anything we've ever seen before. And I think that it would really be extraordinarily bad for America. So I'm, you know, I'm out here as a good soldier doing everything I can, and we'll we'll find out. But the, but I think, you know, you can't crowd Trump. It's it's his decision. He won the nomination. Uh, he has to decide what he wants, uh, and the rest of us ought to try to help him.
Let me point out a poll that came out by Rasmussen, and and I want to get your reaction to it. Nearly 47 percent of GOP voters now believe the Republican Party should be more like Trump than Paul Ryan. Thirty two percent disagree and say the GOP should be more like Ryan. Seventeen percent opt for neither. Uh, When you add that to the number I just mentioned before, that 65 percent on average in exit polls think the Republican Party in D.C. failed them. How do you interpret that, and how do you get trust back? Well, I, th- I think what it says at one level is that, uh, you know, people are really fed up with Washington, and, and as bright as he is, and he's extraordinarily bright, um, you know, Paul Ryan, to some extent, gets gets weakened by the fact that he's, you know, he's in Washington. And I think no Speaker of the House can take on the uh, majority leader of their own party and be effective and taking them on because it's just not it's not conceivable. It's not the way the world works. Well, I just think, you know, the couple of things that I think we sometimes you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And back at the end of 2013, I thought it would be a good idea if Republicans actually ran on ideas. And I put together and I think I sent it to you at the time. I think you're pretty aware of my conservative solution caucus that I put together. Nobody took me up on my idea, which was that put these ideas, make these promises, put them on paper, sign your name to it. And then when you get elected, get the things done. And they had ran most for the most part in 2014 on the idea they'd repeal and replace Obama's illegal and unconstitutional executive amnesty. And they ended up funding it. Why would not make another contract with America? And here's what I think Trump's contract would be. I think to get our budget in balance, I think the penny plan is it could be part of it. A balanced budget amendment could be part of it. Health savings accounts, which he told me he likes to replace Obamacare. Energy independence could be a part of it. Uh, Getting rid of Common Core and sending education back to the states can be part of it. Building the wall could be part of it. Negotiating better trade deals can be part of it. Transforming the VA to fulfill a promise to America's veterans could be part of it. Building up America's military can be part of it. Um, And and again, I'm, I'm looking for like 10 solid items where I would think Paul Ryan and and Donald Trump and every Republican could support. These are 80, 20 issues to me. Well, I I think that uh, something along that line is exactly right. I think it ought to emerge in September. I I wouldn't try to write it now. I think it it should grow out of the platform, but be simpler, shorter, clearer than the platform. And I think it could have a significant impact. You know, I just think that's one way you can gain back trust. And here's the other benefit of that. I remember long before you ever became speaker, long before the election to I, I was there the night you became speaker. I was emceeing your event. But you came up with ideas, and the ideas were the foundation of the contract. And you did a series of tapes, Renewing American Civilization. I still have them. And that became the contract with America. Is that a fair statement? Yes. And, and it was, you know, it, 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 we grew it out of that. But we also spent a long time working with all the various folks and in, in, uh, developing uh, support across the board for what we were doing. I mean, it was not, you know, this was not just a one-time deal. And I think the result was uh, that when we did come out with it, people had a real feeling that they could trust us, that they knew what they were getting into, and that they were pretty darn enthusiastic about it. Well, and I think, you know, I've spent a lot of time on the radio now, and the 10 items or eight items I just mentioned, and I have two more, but I won't bore you with them, but I think those ideas are ideas that I would think every conservative would support. And then it becomes somewhat puzzling to me that Paul Ryan, you know, still is withholding 
his endorsement of Donald Trump. And I'm like, I don't understand why. Is he support- is, what, what does Donald Trump need to go to Washington and kiss his ring five times until he'll finally offer an endorsement? Well, I, look, I think um, that uh, they, I, in fact, I know that they had meetings today uh, at the staff level. I know that they are aggressively working together. Uh, I believe actually it's useful. Remember that the, the convention is not for another two months and the election is not till three months after that. I mean, we have a little time here to take a deep breath, work with each other. Uh, everything is toned down. No, you know, Ryan's, you know, being positive and, and, uh, uh, at the same time, Trump's being positive, and they both have people working to sort out at a very practical, real level. What would it be like if Trump wins and serves for eight years? What would it be like to actually work with the Ryan speakership to get things done? Well, that, that's not a bad exercise to have them go. All right. But look, I was born with a sense of urgency that I know others don't have. So forgive me for being a little impatient. You know, one other idea that I think might be useful to the Trump campaign, and actually I interviewed Trump last week and he kind of agreed with this. He's going to name the, the pool of judges judges then only from that pool would he pick a supreme court justice and i I think they're putting that list together from what i hear um what about saying that well i've talked to rudy giuliani and he'll be the secretary of homeland security and i talked to chris christie and he'd be the attorney general and he'd prosecute hillary if if it was warranted and uh newt gingrich is the vp and men carson is the you know I guess Secretary of Health and Human Services and Nikki Haley is this and Bobby Jindal is this and Rick Perry is that and run as an all-star team. Nobody's ever done it before, but I think it would be a good idea. What do you think? I think it's a good idea in in general. And I think if you look at, you know, Bush did a little bit of it in 2000 with uh, he announced um, Condi Rice for National Security Advisor and he announced Colin Powell for Secretary of State because he really did feel like he had to shore up his foreign policy. I think there are a couple of things like this that Trump could do that would be... uh, pretty effective and would communicate the quality of people and the seriousness that he's going to bring to the game and would give him a bunch of surrogates who could go out and go around the country. Now, are you ready to give up this life of luxury that you have to be vice president? Because I know you travel a lot. I know that well, you've not, got a pretty good really life. A, look, we don't have a life of luxury, but we do have a life of, <laughs> you know, real of real opportunities to go interesting places uh, and giving that up for, you know, again, serving the country is a big deal. It really my is. Served, my dad served for 27 years in the infantry. I, you know, I, I served for 20 years in the House, and I take very seriously, as you know, doing a lot of things that are that I do for free in order now, to that's serve. True. To help, that's true. That, that's true. Particularly in national security. And you promise that if you policy, become vice yeah. president, you'll do my show once a week. That's a fair deal. <laughs> I can't hear you. Did you uh, say yes? You, I didn't you're mean, incorrigible. You're, I really am incorrigible. I'm awful. You are. I'm totally... I'm, just, I'm shocked you only asked for once a week. Hey, but you know what my, my, mother, my mother swore, because I was incorrigible as a kid, that I was either going to be successful or in jail, so... Well, so far, so good. So far, I haven't been to jail yet. (laughs) All right, Mr. Speaker, God bless you. Thank you for being with us. I don't like anything about the story. I'm very upset with the New York Times article because it was completely misleading. They misled me. They took parts of what I said in at least a two-hour interview that they did exclusively with me and spun it and put a negative connotation on what I was saying. I'm very displeased with the way that it came out. They promised me time and time over again that the piece would not be a hit piece, that it was just merely each person's explanation of how they had interactions with Donald, what we, you know, what I thought of him. And I made it very clear many times that um, I had a very pleasant relationship with Donald. 
and that I never felt like I was being, you know, depicted as you know, a piece of meat or anything like that. I was never offended by anything that he had said. Um, he was never anything more than a gentleman, a very, very good guy. We had good times together. We had, you know, he was very genuine. He was very gentlemanly. And if you were to read that article, you would think that I felt otherwise. And I don't think it's fair to me. And I don't think it's fair to him, honestly. You say <clears throat> misleading, and, and, and they, they spun your words in a negative way. Did they get anything wrong, or do you think, or do you just not like the way it was depicted? Well, they only took very small bits of my sentences and put them in a way like, for instance, when I said that Donald said, "Now that's a stunning Trump girl." My next sentence was, "I was very flattered by that comment," and that's not what it says in the article. So the New York Times does a hit piece on Donald Trump crossing the line how Donald Trump behaved with women in private. Well, now the women that were quoted by the New York Times, if you take out the printed version of this thing, it's like 18 pages. It's ridiculous. That was model Rowan Lane who was saying, no, they took they misled the public. That's not what I said. That's not who I know. That's not the person that I had experiences with. And apparently many other women are now coming out and saying it's absolutely positively false. And it raises questions once again about the New York Times. Why are they doing this? They're trying to do this because the Clintons, when it comes to issues of women, have major problems, especially with Bill Clinton and the enabler Hillary Clinton. Slick and Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton is out there, you know, smearing and slandering and besmirching and watching the smearing and slandering and besmirching of women that make accusations against Bill Clinton. So the New York Times has their own issues. Now, by the way, in light of this front page story uh, of, you know, we look at the New York Times, well, they have been sued numerous times for sexism and racism and ageism, the so-called paper of record. You know, so how, you know, how did this happen? Well, it's called a hit piece. It's called biased journalism. It's called an abusively biased news media. I warned you in 2007 and 2008 that journalism is dead. This is yet but the latest example of it. You know, you have I have a lot of lawsuits, for example, for The New York Times. You have uh, a case in April of this year where a 62 year old woman and and a 62 year old man who are black suing the New York Times because of discrimination based on age, race, and gender. And then we have February of this year. You have this guy, Ariel Davies, who New York Times ad executive claims she, excuse me, she was belittled and eventually let go after taking a four-month leave of absence after having a baby. Ooh, I thought only conservatives did these horrible things. Then you have October of last year. You have a woman fired uh, as part of, quote, downsizing that predominantly let go older and minority employees. Oh, well, they're getting sued there, too. And then they have other lawsuits from last year. And it goes on and on, one after another. Racism, sexism, ageism. The New York Times is nobody to lecture anybody. Now the question is, did they open themselves up to a potential libel suit? Although I'm sure it's so hard to prove libel and absence of malice and all those other issues. Who knows? Anyway, joining us now is Sonata Azam, who's with us. Uh, Sonata, I had the pleasure of meeting you fairly recently uh, at an event, and uh, you know Mr. Trump very well. Yes, I actually worked for Trump International from 2003 until 2007, 
and as VP of marketing for many of his projects, I have extensive professional experience um, with Mr. Trump. In the short time I, I had a chance to speak to you, I was extraordinarily impressed. Um, you're one of the top selling real estate agents in all of New York City. Isn't that true? New York City and Florida, actually, because I realized that it's the same type of clientele that I used to market to and sell uh, while working at Trump International, and they're both in, in New York and Florida. Yeah, and you've overcome, and, and you've sold hundreds of millions of dollars worth of homes and condos, and what makes your story so phenomenal is that you started your career, in a, you started your life in a war zone, and you were able to escape that and come to America and, and prove yourself successful. It's an amazing story. Tell us about it. Thank you so much. Yes, now I'm dealing with ultra-high net worth clients and selling millions and actually hundreds of millions of dollars worth of real estate. But uh, I came from Sarajevo, Bosnia. I lived through the war over there. And um, at the end of the war, was lucky enough to win an academic scholarship and came to study in the United States. After school, I was in finance in New York and had an opportunity to help a friend do this extensive research project that was analyzing Florida as the next market for Mr. Trump and the real estate development aspect of the company. So at the end of it, I got called in and got hired, um, went from financial analyst to VP of marketing running four different projects. So... It was, no. it's, it's a good Well, tell story us about, now. so how many years have you been working with and for Mr. Trump? Well, I went there from um, mid-2003 until end of 2006. Um, I was in charge of hundreds of people, be it contractors or people who worked for different Trump international projects. And it was a great experience because it actually launched my career in real estate and everything that I've accomplished today in real estate was due to the lessons that I've learned there and the experience that I gained. Is it true that Mr. Trump uh, promotes women at a very high level, that he gives them positions of power and, and pay equity and all the other things that he has talked about on the campaign trail? It's absolutely true. And I can tell you that as a woman, and in my case, I'm an immigrant, I had the same access to opportunities as anyone else. What I did have that most other people didn't have was extreme dedication and hard work. Because as a war survivor, you look at life very differently. You're really committed and you know that you don't have that safety net where you have to produce, you have to perform. And in Mr. Trump's case, what he cared about the most were results. He didn't care whether you were a man or a woman, uh, where you came from, as long as you did best for his projects. So did he ever, in all the contact, uh, did he ever say anything inappropriate to you or cross any lines with you in all the years you did business with him? Absolutely not. He was an utmost professional during the entire time, I actually had the pleasure of knowing his wife as well and his daughter and his children. So I can tell you, working there for so many years, he was so professional and he was a very tough boss. You know, he is very discerning. He always demands excellence. He does not tolerate substandard performance. And uh, reading that article, which was very disturbing in a way, 
you know. By the way, I, I don't support it either. But we have uh, so our, we have a staff here and Linda's in charge of the staff who you spoke with earlier. And Linda, yeah. whenever there's a mistake that happens, I'll say, all right, who made that mistake? And then Linda will say, no, 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 I, I, I did. I made the mistake. And it's never her. And she protects the rest of the staff from the mistakes that they make. What should I do about that? What would Trump do? He always makes sure that people are accountable. Exactly. Right? So people are accountable. Listen, if you have a task, you better bring results. And just like Linda, I feel the same way. And I was in the same position as she is. Now, if anyone working for me makes a mistake, I'll own up to it. And I'll discern a way how to fix it and how to make sure that it never happens again. Yeah, well, you know what? Linda's shaking her head. You made her a very, very happy woman today uh, <laughs> because it drives me nuts. You know, for example, if it's if it's raining in China, Linda will say it's my fault. Don't worry. Nobody else on the staff did anything wrong. It's my fault <laughs> that it's raining in China today. You know, I love your life story. Um, I'm sure. How old were you when you first came to America? I was only 18 years of age, yeah. and I came here with literally $300 in my pocket because my family had lost everything during the war in Bosnia. What I was um, lucky, and I keep saying lucky because at the end of the day, when you face death so many times, Sean, you get to appreciate everything and you see it as luck afterwards. But at the end of the day, it's really hard work and, and just doing the right thing. Yeah. I mean, it was very impressive. I don't, only got to talk to you for a few minutes, but I found out later what your story was, and it really impressed me. And now you have this great success working for you, an incredible background, and I know you probably have worked 20-hour days for years to get there. Um, Absolutely. And it's very, very impressive. Um, I wish more Americans saw the opportunity that that you saw when you got here coming from the background that you had. What do you think about Hillary Clinton? Well, I do think that Hillary is going to have a very difficult road ahead because at the end of the day, what most people look for is credibility and trustworthiness. So uh, an interesting piece about this whole thing is that be it the story in the New York Times or be it any of the articles recently written about women in politics or women's vote, I think it boils down to a simple fact. I believe that women will be the deciding factor and key votes who will decide, you know, who the next president of the United States is going to be. Yeah. You know, it's very impressive, everything that you've done. I'm not that impressed with Hillary either uh, or how she's treated uh, women. I mean, her husband has been well chronicled. I've interviewed the women that have said that he abused them. In the case of Juanita Broderick, worse, what he did to Kathleen Willey, what he did to Paula Jones— and the fact that so many are willing to give her a pass. Well, I wish you the best. Um, so you're selling real estate. Where in Florida now? I'm right now in Palm Beach. So no. I sell real estate in uh, Palm Beach, Boca Raton, and Miami. Right. And I'll tell you, it's very nice to be able to go back and forth between New York and Florida. Yeah, very, very impressive. Uh, thank you for thank sharing. You. One last question. Do you recognize anything in that New York Times 20-page piece that resembles the Donald Trump that you've worked so closely with over the years? Is there anything at all that resembles the man that you know and have worked with? 
The only thing that resembles is the fact that he was very empowering to some really key female executives within the company. I later on had the privilege of working for Louise Sunshine, who was mentioned there, and who developed a, a huge business. She ended up being, a, and she still is actually, a real estate powerhouse. And she had very similar principles when it came to business because she learned from her mentor, Mr. Trump. And then when I look at my professional experiences um, learning from both Mr. Trump and from Louise Sunshine, I'll tell you, they are tremendous business people and they know that when you empower women in key positions of your organization, that you can get the best. Uh, Women tend to be very hardworking and you know, um, when it came to Louise Sunshine, she was very, very tough on us. And obviously, if someone was to look at um, her demeanor with women, they would say, okay, she's a woman, so it's okay that she's tough on other women who work for her. I'm also a very tough boss. But that's because it's a very simple premise. I'm, I'm, want- a, I'm a pussycat, by the way. <laughs> I am. I, no, I really am. I, I just expect everybody to do their job. And if the job's not getting done, then you'll hear from me. I don't sit, I don't run around the office every day saying, oh, great job. Oh, little, here's your little pat on the head. I don't do that. But if they mess up, I'm like pissed. Why did you mess up? Exactly. Well, you have to keep the big picture in mind, I think, and yeah. the results. And then if people mess up, you keep them accountable and you can give them the same chance that you did. Sonata, you're an amazing woman. It's an amazing story. Um, it's, it's sad that our presidential politics is... You know, people get slandered by the likes of the New York Times, but it happens. Uh, Thank you so much for being with us. I'd buy a house from you any day. You're awesome. Well, thank you, Sean. I greatly appreciate it. Our president doesn't have a clue. He's a bad negotiator. He's the one that did Bergdahl. We get Bergdahl. They get five killer terrorists that everybody wanted over there. We get Bergdahl. We get a traitor. We get a no good traitor. And they get the five people that they wanted for years. And those people are now back on the battlefield trying to kill us. Not only did they get the five, they got the five that they most wanted. Well, now we have people that were part of Bergdahl's squad that are speaking out on the presidential race. And they more than anybody. Remember, men died searching for Bo Bergdahl. Men were injured severely searching for Bo Bergdahl. Anyway, joining us now is... Evan Buto. He's Bo Bergdahl's team leader in Afghanistan and also with us specialist Cody Full. He was his roommate during training and uh, these guys now are coming out politically and both of you are pretty angry at how the Democrats handled this and uh, you're both supporting Donald Trump I hear. Evan. Yes. Yes I am. Um, I mean clearly we've you know, over the last two years we've stated several times how terrible the decision was to get Bergdahl back. Um Trading five terrorist leaders for one deserter um, is no way uh, to, to handle the situation. And, and Donald Trump has come out, and he has believed what we said. He's listened to us. He supported us. And he's come out there with, uh, you know, with a higher platform than we have to let the world know that that's not how we're going to run this country anymore. Now, um, and, and that's what we want to hear. You know, I just can't believe we gave the we gave literally terrorists the five people they most wanted. In other words— the most hardened terrorists we handed over in this exchange. And you guys knew from the beginning that he was a deserter. In other words, I remember interviewing you, Evan, and you telling me that you guys heard over the radio 
that there were locals saying that, hey, we got this crazy American that's out there looking for the Taliban, correct? Yeah, we, we knew from the very beginning. And, and not only did we know, but our leadership knew, and their leadership knew, and their leadership knew. Everybody knew the truth, and that's why this deal to trade these terrorists for Bergdahl is, is just asinine. They knew the truth. They knew he was a deserter, and they still chose to ignore that and give them everything they want. And, and, and bring back someone who, who claimed he was ashamed to be an American. It makes it makes zero sense, and that's not the well, way to make deals. How many people that you know of died as a result of searching for Bo Bergdahl, even though you knew in the beginning that he had deserted and went out on his own? How many guys died looking for him? Um, there's been a lot of numbers thrown out there. Um, I can say that I know I know of two people there from our company. They died as a direct result of Bergdahl leaving. While I can't put I would not put the gun in Bergdahl's hand. They were ambushed in an area that they would have not been in if it wasn't for Bergdahl leaving. And, that, and that's a fact. I, can, I know that. I knew who they were. I think about them every day, and I, and I know that. Now, yeah. if there's, there's no concrete evidence to prove it on paper, but from being on the ground, being there, and everyone else in that company could say, we know they would have not been there unless Bergdahl uh, walked away. And um, Cody, you feel, and Cody, how many people do you know that lost their lives? Uh, I'd say the same thing as Evan. Um, and how many? Know, how many do you know that were injured? Well, probably you know too many to count. Um, it just seemed when the whole story came out is, is every day more and more people were saying you know their husbands were injured. Uh, there was that gentleman from SEAL Team Six that wrote the book No Easy Day. And in there, he has a, a chapter, you know, devoted to mm-hmm. guys from SEAL Team 6 that were injured while looking for Bergdahl. And by, weren't you guys all, after as soon as he went missing, just days afterwards, there was a report that every member of the platoon was ordered to sign papers vowing never to discuss what he did or the efforts to track him down. Is that true? Yes. Evan, Yeah. Yeah, we did sign a non-disclosure agreement. Did you ever at any other point in your, your service time have to sign an agreement like that? No. I, did, I never did. Yeah. And, you know, so many of you guys were already exhausted searching endlessly in the hot, you know, dust and misery of the Afghan desert for a guy that you all knew had chosen to walk away from you. And long after the Army officials learned that his captors had smuggled him into Pakistan, commanders still had a sweeping gag order on thousands of troops. Isn't that true? That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Now, a new survey of uh, American military personnel shows that Trump has emerged as active duty service members' preference to become president by over a two-to-one margin. Is that what you experience, uh, Cody? Um, yeah, I mean, it would it would go with the status quo. You know, uh, if you vote for Hillary, you're voting for a woman that lied to the face of you know, mothers and wives of the Benghazi victim, telling them it was about some bullcrap video. And, uh, you know, now she has the nerve to, to say that those gold star mothers and widows are the liars. Um, if she's willing, you know, to do that, there isn't a lie she won't tell to the American public. Um, she doesn't stand for veterans. She doesn't care about veterans. All she cares about is, you know, the further globalization and the growing of her money laundering racket and personal slush fund, she calls it charity. Yeah, wow. Now, you saw Donald Trump. He's made vets and the VA a big part of his campaign. Uh, The fact that nationally we have made this promise and we've not fulfilled it, and you've got institutionalized corruption at the VA, and you have two separate waiting lists so that these 
The hierarchy can get their bonuses where somebody applies for needed medical care that we promised them. They say, oh, we'll get back to you when we have some availability. And literally we discover people dying, waiting a year, two years to get the health care that we had promised them. I mean, that's got to be figuring into the minds of veterans how corrupt the whole system is. Well, the oh, VA is socialized oh. medicine. It's a it's a complete and utter failure, and always has been. If you go to Hillary Clinton's website, um, the first sentence under her her VA uh, policy is she wants you know to continue throwing money at the failed bureaucracy that is the veteran the VA and stop efforts from privatizing it. So she would rather have veterans having to continue waiting these long lines, sometimes dying waiting to see a doctor then maybe have a third party where a veteran can go see a doctor and get seen on time and not die. Yeah. Well, I got yeah, to... Go ahead. The way, I, the way I look at the VA is, and it's not just the VA. It's, it's active duty service. It's the health care within the military. The VA, the health care in the military, they, they, they treat these injuries for veterans, both of ourselves being them, and having experienced what happens. And, and then I, I, I feel like I'm speaking for all the active duty soldiers, at least in the infantry, because that's what I know. They treat any PTSD, anything, they treat it with medication. Medication, pills, here you go. And then that just harbors addiction, and that just leads to people getting kicked out of the Army for addiction. I mean, we've seen it firsthand. That needs reform. That yeah. needs reform. The leadership who's not doing anything needs to be gone. And, and Donald Trump says he's going to be doing that. Get rid of the corrupt leaders. And, and fix this problem and, and start to nurture some health and nurture some healing in our veterans and in our active duty soldiers as well. Well, it's something we got to do. Listen, guys, I get to see you tonight. You're in New York, which is exciting. You're in New York, right, I think? No, no we're, oh, we're okay. not in New York, but we are going to be on tonight. Yeah, you're going to be on TV tonight, which is great. Thanks for sticking out, uh, standing up, and I think this case needs to be made. I think rebuilding our military has got to be a focus. And, you know, one, one last thought. After... I am tired after Vietnam and after Iraq and Afghanistan, and by Iraq I mean Ramadi and Mosul and Tikrit and Pelusha, you know, that we send guys into war. We lost 58,000 men in in Vietnam, our national treasure, over 5,000 in Iraq and Afghanistan. Many more come back without legs and their faces and arms are blown off. And I'm just sitting here thinking, how many times are we going to allow politicians to not finish the job and politicize war and if we don't have any business winning wars anymore, I don't want to fight them. It's not fair to ask you guys to go fight only to have it politicized and then have us pull out early. And then all the gains and all the sacrifice ends up for nothing. Do you feel I, I can tell you, I can tell you, Sean, before I went to Afghanistan, I went to Iraq and I was in Fallujah. I was in Fallujah for six months and we killed hundreds of terrorists. But we also lost lots of life and we fought every day in that city. And when I look now that ISIS has taken it over. It's done. I mean, every single thing, every, lo- every life that was lost, you-, you could say is for nothing. Now, we, f- we still have pride in what we did, but we have seen that. I, I understand, but I'm saying as a civilian, as somebody that supports the military, we can't do this anymore. I can't support a war effort knowing that we're going to give it up after these guys have given their lives. We cannot do this anymore. Exactly, no, that's, and that's what I'm just, saying. Our leadership, our current administration has chosen to pull everyone out and make these terrible foreign policy decisions, terrible military decisions. And Donald Trump has shown me, at least, I believe that he's going to make the right decisions. He knows he has America's best interests at heart, and he's going to protect this country again. Well, he's also saying America first. And you know what? 
I say no more Middle Eastern wars because we don't have the stomach to follow it up. We don't have the stomach Absolutely. to. And we've allowed politicians through the prism of politics. The whole thing gets blown up literally. And, and then you have to ask yourself, why did we even go there? And I thought it was the right thing to go there. But once you go and you win, you've got to sustain the victory, the sacrifice of so many. Or otherwise, don't ask these men to go. Don't ask exactly. them to go fight, live, and risk their lives and die, and then say, oh, sorry, we're leaving now. We're not done, but we're leaving. We're going to give it back. It's ridiculous. All right, I got to roll. Thank you both uh, for being with All us. Right. We'll see you tonight on Hannity. Thanks for having us. All right, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, let us go to Ben is in Montana. Ben, hi. How are you? We're glad you called, sir. Hi, Sean. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Hey, I'm a liberal for Trump. Wow. Why? Well, I'll tell you. I am sick and tired of the establishment on both sides. Me too. Okay? The R's and the D's, it's like you got ice cream. One of them's chocolate and one of them's vanilla. But I don't like ice cream. So I'm <laughs> selling cake. I like cake. Uh, and I think that the vast majority of Americans feel the same way. Look, I think the vast majority of Americans feel the same way, too. I also think that Americans, for what I just said about war, you know what? It was the right thing to take on Iraq. It was the right thing to get into the Middle East. But it's not the right thing if we're not going to finish the job. It's not, you know, one of the things Trump had said from the get-go is if you go in, you do take the oil. You do make these countries pay for the price of their liberation. You do make sure that Americans are put first in, in these conflicts. And then you can't allow conflicts to be politicized, which the Democrats are great at. They made it so that the entire battle for 2008 was about, oh, we got to pull out of Iraq. Okay, and what did George W. Bush say? Well, if you do that, you're going to have a worse enemy. And that worse enemy means you're probably going to have to go back one day. My hope is we develop the smart weapons that allow us now to fight wars from afar so we don't have to send kids in Humvees that even are not even up-armored door-to-door like we did in Baghdad and Fallujah and Mosul and Tikrit and Ramadi. It's ridiculous. So I would prefer having the biggest, meanest, toughest military and be able to do it from afar. Joe in Illinois. Joe, how are you? Glad you called. Hey, Sean. I'm great. How are you today? I'm good. What's going on? Hey, I, I watched all of the uh, Sunday shows and also watched uh, some shows this morning. And I just have to laugh because you know what? They don't get that the Trump supporters don't give a crap about his past and the women and all that stuff. And yeah. Hillary Clinton has been sucking at the teat of the taxpayer for whole adult life. Mm-hmm. Well, I got I can't name an accomplishment of Hillary. I can name a lot of failures. I can't either. I think she's a phony. I think she's a hypocrite. I think she knew pretty darn well everything Bill was up to. I think she was part of the effort to smear slander and besmirch anybody that would get in their political way, especially women that he was involved with and treated horribly. I've interviewed all those women. I don't know if the New York Times has, but I have. And from my standpoint, it's pretty easy. I don't think she was there for the 3 a.m. call for uh, Benghazi. And then she lies about oh. every she lies about everything. Big things, everything. small things. You know, it's a ama- it's an amazing thing that we can now prove. Hillary Clinton was simultaneously telling us that what happened in Benghazi that killed our ambassador 
uh, was not a terror attack, but related to a YouTube video and was a spontaneous demonstration where people had RPGs uh, in their back pocket. But meanwhile, she was telling her own daughter, the Libyan president, the Egyptian prime minister, that this was a terror attack. That's called a lie. That's a CYA lie. What difference at this point does it make? Well, it makes a big difference if it's your family. It makes a big difference if it's your son and your daughter. And she lied directly to the faces of the families, just right to their face, point blank. It's related to a YouTube video. That's not what she said to a daughter, the Libyan president, the Egyptian prime minister. All right, let's go to Mark is in Greensboro in North Carolina. Mark, hi, how are you? And we're glad you called. Don, thank you so much. Uh, yes, sir. I listen to you every day You're, uh, and I enjoy your program. And what I called about is, you know, I, I was a big supporter of Senator Cruz. Yeah. And he really aligned with my values. Okay. And I wasn't quite never Trump, but I had some serious questions about Mr. Trump, about where he really stood on the issues, uh, on whether he was really a Republican, these kind of things. And I take this very seriously, as most Americans do. But, uh, you know, between you interviewing him on the show, on your radio show, on your TV show, giving us this access to all the candidates, uh, I started to see his positions. And uh, not only that, I drove with my son, who's 12. We drove a couple hours from Greensboro to Fayetteville to the town hall that you had, Mr. Trump. And I really came away extremely impressed. I'll never forget walking out of the event, and my son turned to me and said, Dad, everything you said makes so much sense. And, and, you know, it really did. And, And, you know, I am full support behind Mr. Trump now. It's never Hillary. Let's get this thing done, and let's get this economy and country turned back around. Well, you know, the only thing I can applaud you for is an open mind. You know, in the course of doing all those town halls with all of the candidates, I I learned a lot about them all. And, you know, I, I know I've been accused of being too easy on all the candidates, but if you notice how I do these interviews, I'm, you know, I, there's a method to my madness, and that is, all right, how are you going to fix the economy? And then I'll follow up. Or now, how do you balance the budget? And then I'll follow up with, well, what do you replace Obamacare with? And, and the economy is a huge issue with me. Sure, everybody. You know, my, my personal income is not half. It's a third of where it was. That I, is, I've you, been you, in and out of work. I almost lost my house twice. Not what kind of work do you do? Well, I was in construction. Yeah. Now I, I'm in the pest industry working for a good company here in, in Greensboro area. Do you know how to get rid of foxes? Because I can't get a guy up in New York that knows how to catch a fox. You know what? I personally don't, but we have a guy on our staff that, that is our wildlife guy. He could do it. I am so ticked off. I paid a guy. You know what the guy said to me? We can't get him. I said, what do you mean you can't get him? I see him on my property all the time. I said if I was allowed, I'd go out there and I would have I would have hunted that fox down a million times. I'm afraid the fox is going to eat my little puppy. Oh, wow. Well, I'm also back in school as well, trying to break into IT security. Good for you. Uh, you know, so how old? To, can I ask how old you are? I am 46. I'll be 47 uh, later this year. Now, now, you're somebody who's taken responsibility for your own life because, all right, your trade construction is mm-hmm. it's been in a bit of a decline because of the Obama economy. So you've suffered. You nearly lost your house twice. You're working full time. You're developing new skills, and you're going to school to improve yourself even further. I mean, all of what you're describing is hard. 
nothing what you're doing is easy here, and you're doing it for your family. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do, and, and you're not waiting for the government to come in and bail you out. Well, that's exactly right, because guess what? That bail ain't coming if I, if I was going to wait for it, uh, you know? Yeah, but exactly. I agree with you. we got to take our own responsibility and, and do what we are, have to do and get it done. Listen, I'm going to tell you, if I, or anybody that thinks the government is going to take care of their health care, anybody that thinks the government is going to be there and take care of their Social Security, you're dreaming. Have no faith in the government. You know why? Because they've earned that lack of trust. Anyway, you're Mark, exactly thank you, buddy. Right. God bless you in what you're doing. I really, I really think the, a lot of what you're doing. I really do. Thank you, Sean, and keep up the good work. All right, you too, sir. Thank you. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Anthony is out in Long Island in New York listening to uh, AM 710 WOR. What's up, sir? How are you? Hey, what's up, Sean? Long time I've been waiting to talk to you. Anthony, how you doing? You sound like all my friends growing up in Long Island where I grew up. I grew up in Long Island, too. Where'd you grow up? Well, I really grew up by Kennedy, but I'm in the east side of Long Island. Yeah, no, I, uh, I used to go. My sister worked at the hospital, Nassau. Uh, hospital. Right. I, I don't. I think they changed the name over the years. I'm not oh, sure. N U M C. Yeah, no, it's still there. I live right over. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I went to school over there. I went to school at Pius and Uniondale, and right. I went to Sacred Heart. If you go down Hempstead Turnpike a little further. Yeah, by Garden City. Yeah, by, I know where it is. Yeah, well, it's not really by Garden City. It's uh, where the old. Oh, what was the name of that place? Anyway, it's an hour shopping mall. But anyway, what's going on? Well, what's going on? My boy Trump, they're hitting him from every direction. Now they're hitting him uh, with uh, the women that they used to be around, you know, the New York Times, which is a failing paper. Everybody knows that. Uh, it doesn't really matter what they do, Sean. You know, Trump's the man. He's going to be the next president of the United States. Look, I can't say that definitively. I hope so, because I'd hate to see the country go further down decline-wise. I'd hate to see four more years of Obama policies, and that's what you're going to get with Hillary. I'd hate to see America failing on the world stage like it is. I know. All right, my friend. God bless you, Anthony. I'm glad you called. uh, I grew up in Long Island, too. How you doing? All right, I'm doing fine. You just keep doing what you're doing. We got your back. All right, buddy. God bless you. You're a good man. Uh, All right, let's get to our phones as we say hi to Elizabeth is in Kansas City. KMBZ, what's going on, Elizabeth? How are you? Hey, how are you, Sean? I'm good. What's going on? Well, I just want to let you know, I was at book club this morning, and we've gotten everybody on the Trump train, people that were a little bit worried, until someone brought up the, I did not hear about, possibility of Sarah Palin being his running mate. And you've never heard such screeching and yelling. And I have Yeah, Ben Carson brought that up. I don't see that happening. I, I hope so, because everyone... And myself included, 27 of us said, absolutely not. And I was so surprised. Look, I, we just had uh, Newt Gingrich on. Newt Gingrich was... I would love him. And th- Susanna Martinez would be great. Susanna Martinez, I don't think, is a big Trump fan. But, I mean, I think Newt is the guy that got the job done. And you know what? I don't think it's a time for half measures. Look, if it's sort of like Paul Ryan's plans to balance the budget. You know, 25, 25 years. Who has time for 25 years? Get it done. And, you know, the one thing I was going to um, say to you was that if Paul Ryan wants to cut entitlements, how about if we cut all the entitlements that Congress gets, like their lifetime pension and their, uh, you know, they get that separate Social Security fund that a lot of people don't know about that 
you know, the taxpayers get. I think that all of the congressional freebies, if we get rid of all those things, I think that might help. I mean, it, it's not going to do everything, but I think, you know, all they do is just collect everything and they really don't do much of anything else. How about we cut government spending across the board, but for the military? I mean, yes, cut it. Not, you know, you cut everything. Look, I've talked about the penny plan. They, they can't even cut one penny out of every dollar. They're so pathetic. And if you know, and it would drive. Look, you have kids. I have kids, right? Do you have kids? No, unfortunately, I don't. Okay, I have kids. I don't want to rob my kids blind. You don't want to see the next generation rob blind either, do you? No, I don't. I mean, it's insane. No generation has done the damage that this one has, and it's a sense of entitlement. You know, there was a story out this weekend that really got my attention. And it was in the New York Post, and the headline was Homeward Bound, Class of 16 to Go Back with Their Parents. And I'm like, wow, that's, you spend oh, all yes, that money, you send your kids home. to college, and they, have, they can't get a job, so they go home. And they live in their mom and dad's basement. You know, and they sneak their boyfriends and girlfriends in late at night. <laughs> the other thing I was going to ask was, if it's so important to, maybe I think we need to push through, not the Congress to do it, but... If the president can only serve two terms, I think that we really need to push through all of those wonderful people in Congress that have been there for years and years. Get and them out. I'm with you. Yeah, exactly. Get them out. You do a great job. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. I appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Tracy is in Katy, Texas. What's up, Tracy? How are you? Hey, Sean. Hey, Sean. I really do think that uh, I think Trump needs to be vetted more by the, by the Republicans. I really think he could be a major mistake. And I'm going to tell you something. I think this. Well, is what do you want vetted? Is, tell me what you want vetted, because we've talked I more about Trump than we have any other candidate. How about we vet Hillary more? How oh, about we vet the, whether the, Hillary the, ever the, tells the, the truth? The, the issue I brought up was vetting Trump. Now, vetting Trump would be also his taxes. What do you want to know? Here's the man, here's you want, the man standing on. Hold on. Here's the man standing on the fact that he was supposed to be the best in business. He's this. He's that. I got a feeling. Let's look at those tax returns because what you'll see, you may even see that he supported Democrats. You may even see he doing business with China. You may even see he. That's that's not that's not going to be shown on a tax return, nor is the other going to be shown on a tax return. Listen, let me tell you about the tax return issue. If you make any serious amount of money, the IRS is going to audit you, and the fact that his taxes have been under audit every year for ten years, I don't. Bl- and and he comes out clean every time. Uh, I'm not really interested in his tax returns. I'm just not. Now, I'll tell you what I would be interested in if you want to do some vetting. I'd like to know what Hillary Clinton said to Wall Street, what she said to bankers when she gave those speeches that paid her more than the average American makes in five years for one hour. I'd like to know what she was telling those groups, wouldn't you? Sean, both of those things are important. But one no, of I don't really. No, you know why it's is- not. You know why the taxes aren't important? Because if he broke the law, the IRS would have caught him. Because they, vet, they, they literally go over his taxes, like mine, with a fine-tooth comb. So whatever— Sean, he's still in the auditing process now, though. That's correct. So that's, All right. So, right, if, he so bro- if he broke a law, then he's either going to pay the tax and a penalty, or if they think it's flagrant but, enough, he'll go to jail. But, but I don't think that's going to happen. Let's not let him be Teflon Don. If every single candidate since 1976 has been doing it, let's not make no special exception. Well, he's already given out a lot of his fans. Listen, you can you can focus on this all you want. You know how much I care about Donald Trump's taxes? That's you, but I care differently. You care because you're political. I mentioned Hillary Clinton gets paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for one hour's work. One hour. And she won't release what she tells these people 
in these speeches. I'm more interested, what did you say to those people for the hundreds of thousands of dollars that they gave you? All right, back to our busy uh, telephones, 800-941-SEAN. We got Pat Kissimmee, Florida, listening to 96.5 News 96.5. News Radio 96.5, WDBO. Pat, how are you? I'm fine. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. It's taken me six weeks to get to you, but well, I have been... I'm honored. <laughs> I have been uh, a Democrat since I was 18 years old when I first was able to vote. And that goes back 40-some <laughs> years, okay? It's the first time I didn't vote in a Democratic primary because I did not like their candidates. Um, I, and the more I kept hearing about Mr. Trump, one of the things that kept going into my head was, well, he's a businessman, he's this and that. But he couldn't be where he was if he didn't have people surrounding him that maybe are in the know or maybe that he listened to them. And I think with Mrs. Clinton, and it's not that she's not a good person or whatever, it's the fact that there's always going to be a cloud around her, and we will never, ever get anything done in this country if we constantly have these clouds that what if or she did this. And, and we just can't, we cannot do this anymore. We I, have to move on. I think it is, you know, we're at a crucial point. Every election has consequences. You get the government you pay for. And if we elect her, we're getting more Obama. It's that simple. Sharon, Texas, less than a minute. Sharon, it's yours. Go. Um, I wanted to comment on Paul Ryan's position, our Speaker of the House, and the fact I'm not a big proponent of of, uh, Paul Ryan, but I understand his position now because Donald Trump has gone into this scorched earth attack policy against his opponents, and half the members of the Republican Party do not support Donald Trump. And many of the people who did not vote for him were not even in the party. But so that Paul Ryan is in a difficult position. And Trump is using the press to divide Republicans, just like he's used the press all along. And now so we have this large block of people who don't know where to go, whom to support, because we are conservatives, meaning we want to conserve and preserve our core principles of laws and our Constitution and all of that. That. Look, I've never heard the only thing I'm going to say it. is, based on everything that he said about balancing budgets, health savings accounts, energy independence, building the wall, education, they all seem like issues that Paul Ryan should agree on and building up the military. So I, I think a lot of this is a power play, but I wish I had more time. Call back tomorrow. I'd love to put you back on. Hey, if you want a firearm that is easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes, and then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere, and it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now, it comes in black and two different camo patterns, and you can pick one up for three to 400 bucks, depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival, and while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's henryusa.com. Free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now, the same Hollywood that sold the American dream, they are now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. 
Now you can join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in the Hollywood Takeover brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some of the major studios. Now don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that can be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. 